Hello and welcome to the Football Outsiders Data Show. I'm your host, Vincent Verhey. Joining me as always is FO Editor-in-Chief Aaron Schatz, one of our favorite FO contributors, Brian Knowles. We are here to talk about a bunch of football data coming out of NFL Week 3. We've got a lot to say about the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are legitimately so far one of the best teams in the league, which still sounds weird to say. A lot to say about Lamar Jackson, who is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, which does not sound weird to say. And a lot to say about the Chicago Bears, who are just weird on their own terms. Before we get into that, I do want to mention, you know, we all love fantasy football. Aaron, Brian, you guys are big fantasy football fans, right? One of my matchups this week, baby. Well, hooray, yeah, hooray. That's great news. And the, the only thing better than all than uh, fantasy football is uh, wagering someone else's money, which brings me to underdog fantasy. You, you, the listener, can play on underdog fantasy with us. And double your first deposit up to $100 with the promo code OUTSIDERS. You know, even with NFL best ball season over, Underdog has other user-friendly game formats to spice up all their games. You can try their Battle Royale, a six-round best ball-style draft with simpler chances simpler chances to win than traditional daily fantasy sports sites. Or try their Pick'em games, where you can wager on players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines, even in states where traditional prop betting currently is not available. Underdog is the fastest growing fantasy site, or fantasy site around. You can join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store. And remember, use promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. And that's really just free money when you think about it. And there's no reason not to do that. Now, thanks to Underdog, we are here to talk with you, Jacksonville Jaguars, who there was disagreement about this team coming into the year uh our projections well projections for the afc south as a whole were pretty uh mid i think we can say but we didn't expect the jaguars to finish in last place we thought they'd be contend in a weak division and uh some were skeptical some were optimistic um, i'm gonna go ahead and go on the record here and say this uh in the notes here that our our good friend brian has prepared he's sure to mention that aaron was talking all off season about the subjective prediction of why the Jaguars may be even better than our projections said. And, and Aaron was doing that. That's true. Aaron was going all over the country, all over these interwebs, telling everybody about reasons to believe in Jacksonville. But, but for the record, when we put our FO staff predictions out in uh, black ink, in, 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 in publishing, and on, on hard paper, if that was still a thing, the only member of the FO staff to predict the Jacksonville Jaguars to beat their FO projection was, in fact, this guy, yours truly. So that's one for one for Big Vinny this year. Yeah, that's I wish I had gone more Jacksonville. I wish I'd had a little bit more faith in my subjective case for the Jaguars. I went with Denver instead. Yeah. Uh, who is, by the way, Denver is two and one and in the top sure. 10 PVOA, but they're not as exciting as the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't think, uh, hey, Russell Wilson's not quite sure what he's doing, but the defense is playing well. Is not as exciting a story as, hey, Trevor Lawrence, turned into Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Meanwhile, I had the Jaguars uh, earning the first overall pick in the draft in those subjective mm. predictions. So I'm doing really well so far through three weeks. Well, this Jacksonville Anyways. team, of course, they have Trevor Lawrence. Uh, they have Christian Kirk. They have James Robinson, who's had a bunch of big plays this year. And you put it all together, and we are looking at, uh, I believe, the best Jacksonville start of all time through three games. Yes. By DVOA, this is the best Jacksonville team through three games we've ever measured. They're number two right now behind Buffalo. They had never been higher than fifth after three weeks before. And, of course, like the next best Jacksonville team through three games was the 1999 Mark Brunel squad that went 14-2 and two and dismantled Dan Marino in the playoffs. So uh, things are looking good for the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. And I think – that you could argue that the Colts are down, and so beating the Colts, beating up on the Colts, maybe wasn't as good as it looked like. But we were all high on the Los Angeles Chargers, and they destroyed them. I know the Chargers were missing. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Justin Herbert was clearly less than one hundred percent, and uh, there was a bunch of players out for that game. But it's not like that was a close game. They won on a field goal. No, the they Chargers, destroyed them from they, minute one to minute sixty. They were the better team for 60 minutes. And, uh, yeah, and you know, they, they, they manhandled the Colts. And they, their only loss is a loss to Washington, which doesn't sound good. But if you watch the game, you know, they probably should have won that game. I think I said the same last week. They have had a bunch of mistakes in the red zone, uh, drop passes, and then self-inflicted errors that caught, probably cost them that game. But 
that's done. Uh, I, I know there's a lot of things here that, that, that the Jaguars have accomplished. They have not done in a long, long time. Yeah, so uh, the the Jaguars were on an 18-game road losing streak before they managed to win this one. And, and I, I know all the jokes about the Chargers' home field advantage and so on and so forth. Yeah, so that's right. Does this count as a road game? <laughs> it's a neutral site. The last one on the road is in a stadium which isn't used anymore. They uh, they beat the Oakland Raiders in the last game uh, uh, in Oakland. I didn't and, think about that. And this was actually the first time that that was the, the first time the Raiders, the uh, Jaguars had won on the West Coast since 2004. So they have two West Coast wins since 2004 now, which is absolutely astonishing. Lawrence Trevor Lawrence has started his career with nine straight road losses, which tied the NFL record, one set by Peyton Manning. Uh, yeah. So that usually, if you have a list with Peyton Manning, that's a pretty good stat to be on. Not quite so much this time. I think it also shows that if you lose uh, nine road games in a row and you are not the first overall pick, you were getting benched. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you get a little bit of a uh, of a leash here if you are, you know, touted as the best prospect in a generation. Yeah, it's their largest road win since Week 15 of 2001. Uh, which was a 33-3 win over Minnesota Vikings, which is probably the final straw that got Denny Green fired that season. Uh, the, the, the Vikings were down to their third-string quarterback, Spurgeon Wynn, who is not someone I expected to mention twice today, but Wynn was also one of the quarterbacks the last time the Jaguars won back-to-back games by 20 or more points. That was in 2000 when they beat the uh, Arizona, the legendary Vince Tobin and Dan Brown, Arizona Cardinals, 24-10. And the uh, 2000 uh, expansion Brown or re-expansion Browns, 48 to nothing, who are quarterbacked both by Spurgeon Wynn and by current Jaguars head coach Doug Peterson. That's fantastic. That's how long Peterson was, was the active quarterback the last time the Jaguars were this good. It's been a long time since the Jaguars were a team we could talk about. And they, you know, we came into the season saying we felt the entire AFC South was down and we thought there was a chance that no team in the division would have a winning record. And I realize it's only been three games, but, you know, even if you only consider how the Jaguars have played so far to be like 20% of how good they are, which is what we do with the Dave rating, like this team now has, we have give them a 71% chance of making the playoffs. Like the Jaguars are the AFC South favorites. No question about it based on how they've played so far and the fact that we had these teams all sort of grouped together in the preseason. And because it makes sense, this isn't like last year where Carolina started three and Oh, and you were like, okay, it's nice. The defense is playing well, but come on, Sam Darnold really like this makes sense. Hey, Trevor Lawrence finally got it is a storyline that makes complete logical sense. Yeah. And I don't think anyone else would have been surprised if the Jaguars had, had were like on pace to go, seven and 10 or eight and nine and possibly win a down division. But the fact that they're destroying everyone and that Lawrence has yeah. taken this huge second year jump. That's, that's the storyline. That, and that's definitely something you can follow. Also the massive improvement in coaching from getting rid of urban Meyer, who may well be the worst coach of the 21st century at this point. Going, going to Doug Peterson has been great. I love the stat you have. Doug Peterson has now tied urban Meyer on the Jacksonville Jaguars head coaching wins list. Yep. With coup. <laughs> onward and upward so the last thing to talk about here is basically what the future holds for this team uh we know you know washington the colts and the chargers it's that's the most difficult scheduling was played this year i think we can say uh it gets much harder this week they travel to the eagles but then i'm looking at this uh next slate of games it's houston at indianapolis the giants at home the broncos at home the raiders at home all in a row and then at Kansas City. So this is a team that's looking at, what would that be? Two, three, four, five. You know, seven and two going to their bye, maybe seven and uh, six and three, if I'm doing my math right there. But, so this is a team that looks like it's going to be in good shape going into their bye in uh, mid-November. Yeah, I mean, the Jaguars ha- do currently have the 32nd-ranked pass schedule, in part because those teams have had to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. No, that's not that's not all of it. The Bills, who are number one way, only have the 23rd-week pass schedule. But you know, even yeah. though the Jaguars have been beating up on teams that which haven't really gotten things together, they've been good enough, and that schedule coming up is weak enough that yeah, th- they might have this division more or less packed away before Thanksgiving at the, at this rate. One of the things I'm doing in the DVOA commentary article this afternoon, which I usually do after three weeks, is 
uh, looking at schedule strength for the rest of the way based on Dave, not based on DVOA. So based on a combination of how teams have played so far. I am. I'm on Ethernet. Okay. Uh, apparently, we're having audio issues. All right, I'm going to take over for two seconds here. We'll just, uh, I think we've talked about uh, the Jackson part for a bit. Aaron's audio is not, it's not great, but it's been worse. But anyway, we're going to move on to Lamar Jackson is now my throat is having audio issues. Lamar Jackson, the MVP front runner right now, it looks like unless you're really holding that loss to Miami against him, which, which seems kind of strange considering the score. But uh, and, uh, Lamar Jackson has done a bunch of things we had never seen before. And now we've doing things we have never seen before from Lamar Jackson. Uh, I believe the updated numbers, he is second among quarterbacks in passing DR behind Patrick Mahomes, first in rushing DR by a mile, uh, nearly twice as much as Josh Allen. And uh, there's a bunch more things here Lamar Jackson is doing that, uh, like I say, even Lamar Jackson has never done before. Yeah, Lamar Jackson is the uh, first quarterback since at least 1950, which is how far back these stats go, with at least three passing touchdowns and 100 rushing yards in consecutive games. Uh, he's ac actually, there's only one other player who's done it, uh, with three passing uh, touchdowns and 70 rushing yards. And that's also Lamar Jackson who did it twice in 2019. He, uh, he's the first player in the Super Bowl era to have at least 10 passing touchdowns and a hundred rushing yards for the first three weeks. He is just destroying all these historic, uh, benchmarks. He's doing things we haven't seen since the 1940s when football was barely even recognizable. <laughs> Uh, compared to today's numbers he's currently in the top five in both passing touchdowns and rushing yards that hasn't been done since frankie sinkwich of the 1944 lions back where the league had 10 teams it's Show me long... the podcast discussing spurgeon win and frankie sinkwich today not, i don't think you can gonna, do it yeah not gonna get anywhere not gonna get that kind of detail anywhere else in the internet i'll tell you that right now so uh, let's see. I think I think you mentioned this uh, first play in the Super Bowl area with ten plus touching touchdowns and hundred plus rushing yards through three weeks. Uh, if you're not aware, Lamar is currently leading the league in passing touchdown throws, and uh, is he top five in rushing yards? I think maybe top ten. Um, yeah, he's currently he's currently fifth in rushing yards. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, total DR. He's uh, got about a twenty DR lead over Patrick Mahomes right now, which this early in the season is basically tied, but. Uh, He's he's incredible, uh, and, and there were you know questions all year. They traded away his top wide receiver. Who is he going to throw to? And the answer is whoever you give him, he'll make it work. Um, yeah, the fact that he's doing all this with Devin Duvernay as like his most productive receiver is astounding. It's not like you know, it's not like they, they traded away Hollywood Brown. They 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 got worse theoretically at the receiver position this offseason, and he's still doing it. And Jackson looks more comfortable in the pocket than I think he has yes. at any point in his career this far. I mean. Obviously, he's MVP in 2019, but a lot of that was the running, you know, and, and enough passing to make things good to flow well. He looks much improved as a passer this year, despite having arguably worse options to throw too. It's it's yeah. it's 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 a, it's it's a development I love seeing because I when Jackson is on, I'm not sure there's much. I'm not sure there's more quarterbacks that are much better to watch than when Jackson sure. is actually going full speed and and improvising and running up the middle and everything. Right. Right, but it's 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 more than just the improvising. Our, our old buddy Doug Ferrari did a great breakdown. Uh, you can find him on Twitter and look it up. And uh, he, like you say, he's a pocket passer. And uh, if someone tells you that Lamar Jackson is just a runner and can't throw, you need to you know just stop talking football with that person because they do not know what you're talking about. There were a couple of plays on Sunday where, like in like the second quarter, where the the rush was starting to get to him, and he missed Mark Andrews on a couple. Um, and then he righted the ship, and in the second half, he was fantastic and hitting everybody. So we are all big believers in uh, Lamar Jackson. Do we think right now of uh, Baltimore is now, and they probably were coming in, but the favorite in that uh, AFC North, I think it's pretty clear. Well, Cleveland is surprising, but that's another issue. Cleveland is surprising, but Baltimore has been the better team overall. And, I mean, I thought they were the favorite coming into the season, and I still think they're the favorite in that division, absolutely. But now, again, the injury bug is beginning to hit them. You know, the, I think yeah. they're down to what, to their third string tackle? They were down to their fourth string yeah. left tackle. Yeah. Dear God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, huh. that, seems, that seems improbable. After last year, they, you know, basically everyone got hurt for, you know, half the season. The fact that they're still having some injury problems, that that's truly astonishing. 
And the fact that they're still winning despite that is, is a very good sign. Yeah, they were scheming things. Like, there were a couple of plays where Falele, the rookie left tackle, who's the fourth stringer, had to hold up against Dietrich Wise and definitely did not. But for the most part, like, they were giving him help or they were, you know, having Jackson move to the other side. Like, it, it didn't turn out to be such a huge big deal in the passing. And Falele was making some holes in the running game, too. Looking at Baltimore's upcoming schedule, I haven't looked at what's coming up in week four yet at all until right this show as we're, as we're recording this here on Tuesday uh, Tuesday morning where I am in the West Coast. But Buffalo Bills at Baltimore Ravens this Sunday. There's a game I think I might watch. I do know that one. That sounds fun and important. Uh, yeah. Then they have a Sunday night game hosting the Bengals the week after that, which maybe the Bengals' last chance to, 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 to you know, uh, challenge the Ravens this year. And I see at the Giants, the Browns at home, at the Buccaneers, at the Saints. That's a pretty tough road to hoe. Uh, they get the bye week in week 10 there, uh, early early November. But Baltimore's schedule is going to get a lot harder, but everybody yeah. in that division has a hard schedule, so it's actually the easiest schedule of the teams in that division. Hmm. Ravens-Bills is going to be a fantastic game because oh. if, if anyone else is, you know, if, if you don't think Lamar Jackson's the hottest quarterback in the NFL, you could argue that Josh Allen is the hottest quarterback in the NFL. I mentioned that uh, Jackson's the first quarterback in the Super Bowl era to have 10 passing touchdowns and 100 rushing yards the first three weeks. Oh, well, Josh Allen is the second player to have nine in 100. He's one touchdown pass behind Lamar Jackson right now. The record coming into the season was eight touchdowns and 100 yards by Donald McNabb and Steve Young. So... I mean, Jackson and Allen, they're really the model of what the qu- quarterback should be like in the 2020s. And right now the, the mobility in, in the passing game too. That's why, you know, you trade up for, I'm coming from San Francisco, San Francisco side of this and a lot of criticism about, you know, oh, you had Trey Lance run up the middle and he broke his ankle. Well, that's what the, the Ravens and Bills are doing. That's what, that's where you get the value out of someone like a Lamar Jackson or a Josh Allen, that running ability. They run up the middle all the time. And it's, it sucks when someone gets hurt. But you can see what the question is, why were you doing it? Well, because it's really good when it works. That's why you do it. But Jackson and Allen might be the top two finishers in the MVP race this year. Yes. Not finishing in the top two in the MVP race, Justin Fields, the Chicago Bears. Uh, So this this is, we're going to talk about Fields here as a player, but I think a lot more of this has to do with the Bears as a franchise. And uh, if you've not read my quick reads piece up right now, footballoutsiders.com, cheap plug. Uh, it's all about Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears and how they're doing anything they can to avoid putting the football into the air. Uh, let's keep this, keep one hand on the ball at all times, preferably two or perhaps even four, if we can just keep a long handoff and just, you know, form a big cage and just master the field. Uh, I didn't even find this stat until this morning. I wish I'd gotten this into the story, but the Chicago Bears as a team have officially 45 pass attempts, 45 times they have thrown the ball and attempted to complete it. There are 30 other teams that have more pass completions than the Bears have pass attempts. The only exception is the Carolina Panthers, who have their own issues. Uh, But we're looking at a run-pass ratio, the likes of which we have not seen since the 1970s. And when you adjust it for era, uh, because we're talking about the Buffalo Bills putting the passing as much as they can, and and, you know most teams are trying to win by passing as much as they can, and the Bears are going hard the other way, hard the other way. And when you compare their run rates to the uh, era they are playing in, they stick out like no team ever has before. They're a complete anomaly. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was trying to dig up some some numbers just to find some historical context for this. Uh, they, tw- they have 23 completions through the first three weeks. You know, 23 completions is a, is a somewhat subpar game nowadays. It's the that's the fewest number of completions the three games in the 21st century. It's the third fewest since the 1978 rules changes, which opened up the passing game and like made like let receivers not get clobbered downfield. The only ones that are less, I looked at all the teams with 30 fewer completions. Half of them are from 1978 and 1979 when no one knew what to do with these new rules changes. The Bears are down there with like the 78 Buccaneers or like some of the strike teams from 1982 who like, oh yeah, it's their first three games, but there were six weeks off between that. You know, that that's going to throw off everything there. The Bears have just been, the Bears are just, are just terrible. They're 45, 
The Bears aren't terrible. That's the problem. The Bears are two and one, despite all of it. That's the thing is they're not terrible. They've played good defense. They've run the ball. They've played bad opponents, right? So, I mean, they've definitely taken advantage of playing in a mudstorm and playing Houston. And they're not. They're two and one. They're and 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 the the um the the dam is not going to break this week because they're playing the Giants. They're playing another really bad team. Fields is on pace to throw 255 passes in 17 games. The, the, the record, I, the fewest passes by a 16-plus game starter is 328. He, he's on pace to break it by over 50 pass attempts. Something has to give. Either Fields has got to throw more or the Bears are going to stop winning. I cannot imagine that in 2022, a team is going to win by, you know, not just by rushing and defense, but by insane levels of rushing and defense. It doesn't make any sense. There is part of me as kind of a sick, twisted football fan that hopes, you know, we get into this later part of the season around Thanksgiving in December. And I don't know if you guys have ever been to Chicago. I hear it can get windy and cold uh, that time of year. They may run more later in the year. Yeah. And uh, what happens if Justin Fields starts every game and still doesn't qualify for the passing tables? It's conceivable. (laughs) It's it's just conceivable. Now, we should, and just, we should say this, by the way. We, we should mention um, this is not necessarily a critique of the Bears' play calling because when they do try to pass, it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Fields is dead last in completion rate. And despite never, ever, ever throwing the ball, he's top 10 in both interceptions and sacks. They're at a negative 47.4% passing DVOA, which, which is bad. If that holds up, it would be the fourth worst in the DVOA era behind the 92 Seahawks, the 2005 49ers, and the 2004 Bears. Yes, this is not yet the worst passing offense in Bears history. It's just the fourth in... (laughs) Just wait till we get to the backups, baby. Just, you know, that 2014 was running Craig Krenzel out there. Like, just wait till this team stuck with their backup quarterbacks and see how bad it can get. And Justin Fields is a highly drafted first round pick in his second year. We yeah. should not be talking about this, like this about a highly drafted rookie quarterback in his second year. And we all loved it. We loved the trade up to get him. We he thought was, it was a great yeah. idea. We thought, oh my God, the Chicago has finally got a chance to have a real pass offense. And I mean, there's just nothing. Jay Glazer is I reporting the, the Chicago Bears management is really sold on quarterback Justin Fields. Which is the sort of thing you say when no one thinks you're really sold on quarterback Justin Fields. I'm going to, you you quoted his DVOA. I'm going to give some more basic stats here. His NFL passer rating right now is 50. Uh, that is, of course, the worst in the league. Second worst, Mac Jones at 76.2. Keep in mind, passer rating does not include sacks. Justin Fields has been sacked on 18% of his dropbacks. Daniel Jones, second worst at 12.4%. So... <laughs> How far can a team go getting zero, zero, zero from the passing game? It's fascinating. He still flashes, but it's only when like everything breaks down and he's forced to improvise. I mean, you know, I I watched every second of that horrible monsoon game in week one, and like all the Bears' big plays were, oh, the offensive line is broken down, Field scrambles around for five minutes and throws the ball sixty yards to an uncovered guy. It's, it's like nothing that he's doing good is repeatable. Nothing that he does good is planned. It's just all kind of happens when, when Fields has to make something happen randomly because it, it's back, backyard sandlot football when he succeeds. I don't, I don't know how you build on that. I don't know how you build from that. And it looks like the Bears don't know how you build on that and build from that either, considering the state of their receiving core. And then you mentioned the, uh, uh, I think it was the 2004 Bears with Craig Krenzel. And this whole mm-hmm. Let's run as often as we can. Seems to be a Bears tradition. When I I looked up the history of run-heavy teams uh, for their era and based on whether they were winning and losing, number one was the Bobby Douglas Bears in 1972. uh, When he ran for 900-plus yards, a quarterback rushing record that stood forever until Michael Vick broke it. Uh, The early Jim McMahon Bears showed up on the list. The Jack Concannon Bears in the Gale Sayers era in the 1960s. So these Bears have a long history of just – avoiding the the pass at all costs it's, it's it's fascinating how that turns out that's different quarterbacks different coaches different errors of the league but it doesn't matter the bears just can't throw it's not good when sid luckman still holds a lot of your passing records the, yes. the, uh, luckman, so the bears history of passing is basically sid luckman and nothing 
Yeah. Jake yeah. Cutler was a really good Bears quarterback by Bears quarterback standards. Yeah. Best modern quarterback, uh, Jake Cutler. That is that. That's a depressing sentence in and of itself. Oh boy! I, and it, the thing is, it does not feel like it's getting better. That's like you know, Fields in the second season. Things you know, it's still still young. There's still plenty of time. But it it feels like the Bears are actively trying to hide him at this point, and that's a disaster of a first round pick. Yeah, no, 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 no you're exactly right. You're exactly right. But to, to be fair to these Bears, historically, it's not just the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have never had anyone to throw to. Their leading receiver of all time is Walter Payton, who is a mm-hmm. running back. Second leading receiver of all time is Matt Forte, who is also a running back. If you go by receiving yards, the leader is Johnny Morris, a wide receiver from the 50s and 60s. They haven't had anyone of note since then. Alshon Jeffrey for a few years, but not enough to, you know, you know 5,000 yards is all it takes to lead these Bears in receiving yards, and, and, and no one's managed that since the 60s. It is, like, statistically improbable that any one franchise would have so much bad luck at the quarterback position and so much lack of success. I know that there's a philosophical thing. I know that that's, you know, a little bit coming from ownership. Like, you know, we want to be, you know, the monsters of the midway. We want to play defense right around the ball. But you think just by sheer dumb luck, they would have stumbled into somebody. At well, some- I mean, that, yeah, the whole point of the field trade was to not be that anymore. Like, now yes. we are trading up. We are taking a quarterback. We are going to build around a quarterback, not around our defense. Like, the point of fields was to not do that. And yeah, they traded up for for uh, Trubisky before that. I mean, they, they they've been they've been trying. You're trying. And, yeah, it's just not working. They, they've they've been going every single possible direction here. You know, Cutler was a trade. Like they they've done everything they can do to try to find. They've drafted. They've traded up. They've traded down. They've they've tried running uh, undrafted players out there. They tried running highly drafted players out there, and just nothing. And, and it's for decades and decades. They reached out and got Eric Kramer. Uh, they they, they uh, drafted uh, uh, McNown. Um, it's just been trying and trying. And their backup right now is Trevor Simeon. So I don't think uh, Fields will be benched anytime soon. His, his job seems safe no matter what happens because it can't get any worse, right? Yeah. So D- Danny Young asks in the in the chat, and don't forget if you're watching us live, please feel free to ask questions and chat with us. As a Bears fan, I'm wondering if the Bears should take another quarterback next year or try to fix the offensive line and wide receivers and hope. Well, at two and one, they're actually currently in playoff position, so they're actually uh, not in position to draft yeah. one of the top quarterbacks next year. If the bottom yeah. falls out and they're, they're at one or two, then yeah, I think at that point you have to cut bait on fields, even though it's only been two seasons. But at yeah. the moment, yeah. they're winning too much. <laughs> if they end up picking three, four, five, somewhere in there, and, and, and there's a great quarterback prospect available, which I haven't even spent a lot of time on the 2023 class yet, so I don't know. But if it's one good. falls into if, if one falls into their lap where they are, I think they have to take him. If they do end up picking somewhere around 20 or 25, which seems really optimistic, but uh, yeah. <laughs> if they do end up picking in the bottom half of the first round, let's say that, uh, at that point, I don't know if they have the capital to make a move up to get a guy. Uh, so at that point, you're because to be fair, Fields is not out here playing with the uh, uh, greatest show on turf. Um, it's just deceivers are batting any worse. The offensive line is getting worse. So yes, I, I, I think it's fair to say this take the best offensive player available if they do end up with a non-premium draft pick. I think that's a reasonable strategy to go with. This guy was a highly drafted quarterback, you know, 18 months ago, whatever it was. Uh, my favorite of the class coming out behind Trevor Lawrence. Um, and uh, and to be frank, when you well, I guess you'd have to take Jones next, Mac Jones next. But, you know, Trey Lance and Zach Wilson have not exactly been huge successes. So he may be the third best quarterback in that class. And, uh, uh, and we'll see. So you, they would have no choice, I think, but to give him a third opportunity in that situation. I mean, and if Sam Donald could get, could have gotten a second team in a fourth year starting, then Justin Fields absolutely deserves that because Fields. That is an excellent point. <laughs> Fields' highlights are far better than anything like Donald was able able to do. We just we need to find a way to make those highlights a more regular, more regular thing, mm. and that might require a full offensive overhaul. But he's yeah, still yeah. got talent. You can see the talent when he plays. It just is isn't not there on a play to play basis. Just cut out the negative plays, of which there are many, and that is a heavy load to bear. But. Uh, yeah, we, we have seen worse quarterbacks than Justin Fields get second and third chances. So 
Uh, like I say, un unless they just happen to end up in the top five, I think they'd probably just try to get him a weapon, get him more help, and hope and pray he develops into what most of us thought he would be. Now, you have a great bonus question here. I that do. I I do have a, I have a trivia question, seeing if either of you can, can get this one picked out. We've been talking about the Bears and how they've been historically low volume in throwing. Well, we actually had a record set this week for high volume of passes. For the first time in NFL history, a quarterback has passed for more than 150 attempts in his team's first three games, so averaging more than 50 attempts per game. That's never been done before. The record was 150 with Frank Tapuka from the 1962 Broncos. Do you know... Which quarterback now has set that NFL record? Would, has, their team has relied on him more than any other quarterback in NFL. I, 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 I do know this, but it's because I work on quick reads, and so uh, I, I, I'm studying this kind of stuff every week. And, and so I, I know this, but I, I kind of cheated, so I don't want to give the answer. Yeah, I know, but I want to see if any of the viewers get it. All right. Yeah, so there you go, viewers. Who is currently leading the NFL with 155 pass attempts? The most ever through week three of the season, I presume, of the team's first three games, because yes, that is a ton of passes in three games. So, I, yeah. I, I would guess that has never been done before. Yeah, it, it's a record. The, the previous record was Frank Trapuka with the 1962 Broncos at 150. The 62 Broncos were terrible and had to throw all the time to try to catch up. They showed the previous... up, by the way, in a list of the pass, most pass-heavy teams in that Justin yep. Fields article. So, there you go. And the previous NFL record, if you don't want to count early AFL stats as being worth anything, is Drew Bledsoe with 149 for the 1995 Patriots. Uh, that, that was his, I think it was his second season. He was a pro ball as a rookie. 95 did, did, did not go very well for the Patriots, all things considered. We're getting some good guesses in the, in the chat about it. We have Kirk Cousins, no. Tua, no. Stafford, no. Derek Carr, no. Josh Allen. You guys are all naming... Someone unusual is correct, though. <laughs> yes. That's all naming good quarterbacks. And I suppose you could argue this this player was good. I mean, he's got a first-round draft pedigree. That's, you know, that, yes. that's something we're talking to. Uh, he has had playoff success, significant playoff success in his career. Uh, you know, in 155 pass attempts is, you, you have to say, that's an elite amount of passing attempts to have in three games. I mean, you have to have a margin strength to pull that off. I'll give I'll give the clue that that uh, we'll get hopefully get some but we'll get it yeah there we go. The answer is Joe Flacco of the New York Jets currently leads the NFL on a record-setting pace of pass attempts, and uh, it hasn't been too bad. Um, <laughs> here's the thing: I mean, are we sure Zach Wilson's going to get his job back? I was going to uh, say Flacco has 155 pass attempts, and that might be it. Yeah, because Wilson is supposed to be back this week. Yeah, and then I realize there's there's no benefit to playing Joe Flacco all year in 2022, but I'm I'm not sure he's not the better quarterback right here and right now. Um, yeah, I mean, you have to find out if Zach Wilson is the better quarterback. So no matter how good Flacco is doing, you can't start him. But there's a non. I think there's a very solid chance I'll have the higher DVOA when the season is over. He did last year. Yeah. I don't know that off the top of my head. I want to look up where Flacco ranks in DVOA. Raw numbers are like, like okay. They're not, they're they, not, they, uh, they, they weren't great last week, but he had a very solid week, too. Oh, uh, and it's whole, whole season numbers. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 he was so solid this week, too. I had a uh, Flacco and, and Wilson stack in my Daily Fantasy this week. I did not win many uh, Daily Fantasy games this week. No, no. Uh, he's not doing as well as I thought. He's 25th in DVOA and DR, negative DR. So, it may be better, but it's not good enough to, you know, warrant benching the uh, youngster for the guy who's has no future. He has, he has a presence, but he has no future in this league. Honestly, it's not good enough to justify throwing the ball 155 times in three weeks either, but that, no. that is a different story. But when you're behind by 20 points all the time, that's mm -hmm. what you do. All right, we've got a collection of stats and numbers from around the league. Uh, as you noted here, Aaron Donald picked up his 100th sack this year. It was one of his most amazing sacks. And I say this as someone who lives in Seattle, watches a lot of Rams games, uh, has written two Rams chapters for the Almanac and watched every game Rams game of the year for that purpose. And I've seen a lot of amazing Aaron Donald things. This was way up there with amazing Aaron Donald highlights. When he throws an offensive lineman out of his way, Kyler Murray 
maybe the quickest, shiftiest, hardest attack quarterback in the league, turns his back and runs away, and Aaron Donald ran him down. It's, it's I screamed. Amazing. I couldn't believe what I saw. Human beings should not be able to do what Aaron Donald does. No. I'm, I'm not sure there's actually bones in his body. He's 290 pounds of pure muscle. <laughs> and it's all fast twitch muscle, too. Completely insane. Uh, he joins John Randall's, the only other uh, primary defensive tackle to have 100 yeah. official sacks in, in his career. It's absolutely a crazy number. He'll be in Canton about 30 seconds after he retires. You know, <laughs> I it, think so. I think so. Which, which, as as a Fortnite fan, I hope is very soon. I, I, I have seen enough. <laughs> he thought about Aaron. doing it last off season and then changed his mind. You know, we 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 were all hoping. Everyone in Arizona, Seattle, San Francisco, everyone hoping that you know, yeah, great career and walk out yes. as walk as a champion. Everything's good. You've done everything you can do, Aaron. It's time to here's a mojito. Take your seat on the beach. You enjoy your time in the sun, and just don't ever put on a helmet again because we're terrified of you. We are utterly terrified of you. And it, it was funny because that, that was the history sack. But then I, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking about how, how um, you know, how, how amazing Aaron Donald is. And then if he's the best defensive player I've ever seen. And then just as a reminder, there have been other great defensive players. A few minutes later, J.J. Watt got a sack too. Like, well, okay, that guy, that guy was awfully good too. <laughs> maybe, not, maybe not in 2022, but in 2000 uh, uh what would have been 2015 2015 and 2016 he was yes uh, yeah. he was he was also a force of nature they might it is it is theoretically possible that we could see a hall of fame class in five years led by tom brady aaron donald and jj watt which would be that that would be up there with some of the best <laughs> classes ever in history i mean yeah challenge that group you're, you're not wrong that's that's a lot of mvps and defensive player of the year awards and records and Super Bowl rings and and whatnot. <laughs> Very impressive. Uh, speaking of impressive, Cordero Patterson. Let's talk about a late bloomer. Uh, guys drafted, God, close to a decade ago by Minnesota as a wide receiver slash kick returner. Bounces around a lot. Never lands a role on offense. He's the the best kick off returner, not kick returner, but kick off returner uh, in league history. And then he lands in Atlanta, and they say, you know what? You're a running back. And it turns yeah. out he's a really good running back. So you're, you're leader in rushing DR uh, through week three. He was the, the, the top overall running back in week three. He includes receiving data. And this Atlanta team, which is, is – and they're one and two with a win over a bad Seahawks team. But for a, a lot of people thought they'd be the worst team in the league, and they are certainly not been that. They're bringing yeah. the offense. They're bringing the offense. They're getting killed on defense, but they're bringing the offense. This year's good, bad team. Like last year, how the Lions, you know, uh, put challenges into a lot of people. And they, they lost most of those games, but they did they did threaten them and make them have to work harder than you'd expect to go on a losing team. That's kind of who the Falcons are this year. Like, you know, we you should be able to beat the Falcons easily if you look at their roster. But they, they're they playing. Their offense is, is going. Patterson's looking good. Drake London yeah. has, has looked very good uh, through a couple games. We got yep. Kyle Pitts involved more this week, which was he was kind of mysteriously absent because he had four uh, defenders on him at any given point over the first two weeks. So, you know, the Falcons are kind of becoming fun to watch, which is probably their best case scenario for this season because they're not going to be good. But fun to watch. I'll, I will take it. Marcus Mariota is, do my math right here, second, excuse me, third in, well, he's third in the NFC in both passing DR and passing DVOA. Uh, it's a weird year, and a lot of quarterbacks we thought were going to be good have not been good so far. So after Jalen Hurts, the NFC, you quickly get down to the Jared Goff, Geno Smith, Marcus Mariota level, and then those washed-up schlubs, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Um, that was a, a weird, weird, weird year so far. Yeah. It's been a weird year so far. Tampa but... Bay is something like 26th in offense. Yeah. And to be fair, all their all their star receivers are hurt. So this is something we ex- we expect that they could get better over the course of the year. But that was yes. a weird game watching Brady and Rodgers in a duel. That's how we say uh, this last yeah. week because that was. I can't remember another game with two such highly hyped quarterbacks having such little success uh, offensively. You know that was that was the game of the week. Everyone's like, oh, you know, it was on the national game, and just just nothing. There was nothing there. What if Rodgers retires too? <laughs> Rodgers, Brady, Watt, and Red Donald. That's, that's not impossible. Yeah, let, let's That'd have Gronk come back one day to give him a 
Sorry, what was that? Let's have Gronk come back for one game so he can join that class too. And then we'll just, sure. just have to, no, no, don't, no new even to vote that year. We have, you have your five guys already ready to go and you can just, just move along. Yes, Cordero Patterson, uh, 31 years old this year. Last year was 618 rushing yards as a career high. This year, he's almost halfway there already with 302, which is the second best of his career. So, um, yeah, he's been this secret weapon that the Vikings and Raiders and Patriots and Bears all missed out on. And it's the Atlanta well, the Patriots, the Patriots were the first team to use him as a running back. Yeah. That is true. That is true. They get two, 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 228 yards that year as a runner, which was a career high at the time. But he, even then, uh, he was not their lead back, obviously. Um, no. And Atlanta's getting more out of him on offense than anyone ever has before. Yeah, he was a below average but not terrible receiver. It turns out if you have that skill set as a running back, that's pretty good. <laughs> Here's a question from Sebastian, fantasy question, in a full PPR league. Justin Jefferson and Kareem Hunt for Najee Harris and Michael Pittman. Which side wins? I'm going to say Justin Jefferson and Kareem Hunt. That's where I'm not the biggest Najee Harris fan because that offensive line has problems. Yeah. Harris gets volume and that, 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 that's, 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 that, that's strong on his point. Like Kareem Hunt's not going to get anywhere near the volume Najee Harris does. No. How much does that that volume help you if you're getting like three yards to carry? Yeah, and 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 your your quarterback's not getting you to the red zone five times a game either. Uh, so it's thumbs down on Najee, and and by the same token, uh, this last Sunday accepted the Colts have not been sitting the world on fire. Um, it's not the world on fire this Sunday either. To be quite honest, I mean they did. Yeah, so that 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 Najee Harris Michael Pittman size has got thumbs down for you. And Justin Jefferson has a huge thumbs up. So that. I've taught myself into uh, liking the Jefferson Hunt side of that trade, and frankly, by quite a bit. Yeah. All right, let's go through some more of these fun random stats. Um, I like that Brian pointed out the scores in Denver on Sunday. Padres 13, Broncos 11, 49ers 10, and Rockies 6. Yeah, that was a uh, fantastic Sunday night game, wasn't it? Oh, arm burner. Like if you like punting, fantastic punting. I was missing most of the game. I had dinner out with friends, and every 15 minutes I'd check my phone, and I, I thought the refresh function wasn't working because no points were coming up. I'm like it can't it can't still yeah. be seven to five. That can't right be right. The Broncos, so, uh, the Broncos were the first team to win a game with exactly one touchdown, one field goal, and one safety since the 2008 Vikings uh, over the Lions. In the Dan Orlovsky intentional safety game. Uh, of course, Orlovsky. Unintentional safety, I think. I mean, wander out the back of the end zone safeties. And frankly, yeah. Orlovsky's was still funnier. Oh, Garoppolo yeah. was at least under pressure. Yes. Yeah, Orlovsky was, his response on Twitter was great, though. He was oh, like, yeah. Freedom! This is the greatest night of my life. Yes. Yeah, Olavsky and Mark Sanchez getting redemption on Sunday. Maybe they can stop being the butt of jokes for, for at least a little tiny bit here. Because, of course, uh, the butt fumble is getting at least temporarily replaced by the butt punt. I haven't heard. Is that Dolphins player okay? Because that yeah. hurt really, really bad. I mean, he football. After the game, it's Trent Sherfield. He tweeted out, uh, I have a W tattooed on my on my cheeks. Yes. Okay. I believe that like Charmin reached out to him and asked him if he needed anything soft. <laughs> that's, that's good advertising. That's good uh, marketing right there. Uh, glute humor. Nothing like it. Nothing like oh, it. Oh, man. So uh, let's see what we got here. We have other running backs having big years. Uh, Nick Chubb is on a roll. Not a slight second place to Cordero Patterson in overall rushing DR, but he had a, he set a benchmark this week. Yeah, he had a, since he entered the league, he now has 24 games with more than 100 rushing yards, passing uh, Derrick Henry, who has 23 in that time period. So, how quickly the best running back in the league title kind of turns? Because Henry is, does not look like the same Derrick Henry he was even two years no, ago. No, although he looked better against the Raiders than he did in the first two weeks. Although m- most most players tend to look a little bit against the Raiders and they're looking against the competition so far. Yeah. But, you know, it, Chubb might be taking over that title as, at the very least, as the guy you'd least want to have to tackle. Yeah, yeah. Henry showed up under uh, top running backs this week and I was floored. And the, most of it was as a receiver. He had a couple of big catches and 
and it was not a huge week for running backs across the league. But, but uh, yeah, he, the reports of his death have been greatly exaggerated. Uh, so we mentioned Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen as an MVP candidate, and even though Mahomes had an off week, he, he's way up there too. But Jalen Hurts, these Philadelphia Eagles doing things through the air on the ground that no one has done before, including Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Uh, Hurts is averaging 300 passing yards and 50 rushing yards a game. Uh, that's never been done before. So, you know, if he keeps that up, that, that's an MVP quality season. I think I look, I look this up. The top four odds for, for MVP right now is Josh Allen at plus 300, Jalen Hurts at plus 600, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes at plus 700. I mean, before the season, we I said would that, rather uh, have Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes than Jalen Hurts right now. Uh, yeah, with, because, with, with the odds, I'm taking Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, Mahomes. I mean, before the season, both Aaron and I had Mahomes as oh. you know as the as the best bet because basically until proven otherwise, it's Patrick Mahomes. Over yeah. three weeks, both Jackson and Hurts, I think, have proven otherwise. They've been significantly better than Mahomes. Three uh, weeks versus. Uh, Mahomes still number one in DR passing DR. He doesn't have the yeah. rushing success the other two have, but he's he's been still great. Yeah. But a lot of that is that week one game, you know, you know, so Mahomes was not great. Certainly not great this past week. That's fair. And, and, and was and nothing record setting against the Chargers in week two. That, that's yeah. fair. I would expect though. Yes. I would expect that Mahomes would be, would be better with the rest of the season. Yeah. It certainly over hurts. I mean, Jackson's got MVP credentials uh, uh, back him up as well. But yeah, I mean, I would, I'd still take Mahomes at plus 700. It has only been three weeks. I, I will also point out another stat we have written here. Patrick Mahomes in his career is 45-2 and two against teams that score fewer than 26 points. And both losses are to Indianapolis. That's random. Weird. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> They, 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 they've got his number. Um, what, wasn't it the, uh, the, the mid-2000s round robin that the Patriots always beat the Colts, the Colts always beat the Broncos, the Broncos always beat the Pats? Yep. yep. Yeah, so now, now the Colts always beat the Chiefs. Just, just random stuff happens sometimes. The, 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 the Colts record is so weird. You, 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 you lose to the Jaguars in, you know, in Jacksonville, who I know the Jaguars have been good, but still, still Jacksonville. You tire the Texans, and you beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I mean, yeah. that is the, one of the strangest. Like, that's what we, if you had told me before the season they would have gone 1-1-1, one, 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 I would have gotten all the results wrong. I would, I would have flipped every single one of them. So elsewhere, uh, among fun, random football stats, there are only two players this year who have had a gain of 30-plus yards on a, on a running play and a gain of 30-plus yards on a receiving play. I think I said that right. Yes. And uh, they know each other quite well. It's Amon Ross St. Brown of the Detroit Lions and his brother, Equimania St. Brown, the coolest named brothers maybe in NFL history. And I'll remind you, there's a third brother at USC who I think is coming into the league next year, which is Osiris St. Brown. Oh, excellent. Here's hoping the St. Browns have a very, very long, successful career at the top of the league because these are, these are the kind of names I want to be saying every week. There was uh, about 10 years ago, there was a lineman. I want, I want to say Hercules, like Mata'afa. Um, oh, I think he was a fullback. Mata'afa or something. Yeah. Something, yes. Yeah. So, uh, he, he, he was named Hercules. He had a brother named Samson and a cousin who had another godly name. And I went over through the, the, the very high cousins. And it, it, it's Vinny, Joe, Mike, Matt, Ricky, and Tony. That's not nearly as exciting. No. My, my family needs a Hercules immediately. Um, Hercules, if he ever tried to kick a football, might be trying to match what Ryan Stonehouse is doing. Uh, Ryan Stonehouse is averaging 57.1 yards per punt, which is almost six yards more than the current record set in 1940 by Sammy Baugh, the great passer, punter, defensive back of the uh, – uh, that is the Neolithic era of the NFL, actually. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's – yeah, Stonehouse, a rookie, having a great start to his career. And he's getting lots of opportunities to prove it because the Titans have been outscored 57-7 in the second half of games this year. So Stonehouse has – there's a fairly large sample size on those 57 yeah. uh, uh, yards per punt. And, and I don't know punt. this. Yeah, go ahead. I don't know this, but this is something I looked at last year. And, and, and it's something, frankly, I like, I like to either study myself or find someone else who's done this. But there is a huge disparity in where punters punt on the field. Like Michael Dixon of the Seahawks 
his average punt came from like close to his own 40 because Pete Carroll punts in opposing territory so often. <laughs> so he was very often not getting a chance to just punt the ball as far as he could. And I remember I was looking this up and Arizona was in last place and their average punt came inside their own 20 because they never punt unless they have to. Um, and and that, that kind of swing can, all, can uh, uh, affect your punt average. I'm, I'm wondering if Ryan Stone has just constantly punting by his own 12-yard line. And maybe that's part of this record. That's a good point because part of it's part of it absolutely is part yeah. of it. Absolutely, yeah. Part of Sammy Ball's record is this is 1940s where punting on third and occasionally even second down was a viable strategy. You know, punt back there when they don't have a returner back there. You know, you pin deep, you can do that. So Especially when your punter was also your quarterback, which is yes. what Sammy Ball was. That too, that too. But and when, when your quarterback is Sammy Ball, that means the other team's quarterback is not Sammy Ball. He's something much worse. We can go ahead and punt to that team. They'll punt it right back anyway. I don't have this number written down. I'm trying to remember the exact things, but in 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 the Washington's games, and I believe it was 1941, there was a I think it was an eight percent chance that any given play would end up in an interception by Sammy Baugh, no matter who had the ball, whether right. it was Bob Baugh throwing it or Baugh intercepting it. Yes, it, it, interception Sammy Baugh was the was the most common play. Oh, I love all time. Right, so uh, moving on to slightly younger quarterbacks, uh, the. Two attack of uh, I spoiled my own stat here, but one more uh, good I, one more good to a stat before we go. Yeah. Yes, uh, sixteen years, last sixteen years of the NFL. Oh, Brian's editing it as we speak. There we go. Uh, NFL teams are two and one hundred and six, two and one hundred six when they are outgained by two hundred and seventy five yards or more. And since I already spoiled this with the intro, the two wins were Tua and the Dolphins against the Rams in twenty twenty, and Tua and the Dolphins against the Bills this week. So there's the key for the Dolphins. Let the other team outgain you by at least 200, 275 yards. You, you will go 2-0. A, a, a definitely a repeatable strategy. We've shown they just repeated it. Perfect. Two for MVP. Okay. <laughs> Brian, I'm looking at your false endpoint theater one, and there's a lot of minutia in this. Yeah, the, the, don't worry about that. The, the, it, I love it because, I mean, the 275 yards set itself is kind of a – Obviously, we, I picked 275 because it's not true at 250 or 300. So you got to be careful when looking at stats and someone yeah. says something. Uh, Cooper Rush is the first UDF undrafted quarterback to win his first three starts and throw for 750 yards in those starts since Kurt Warner. Because as we all know, we can all just rattle off the names of people who throw for 750 yards in three games. That's obviously a very important statistic that means literally anything at all and wasn't picked to specifically block Taysom Hill from being on this list of 3-0 and undrafted starters. <laughs> Gotta be careful with stats sometimes, people. Yeah. Use stats responsibly. Yes. Hercules Mata Offen, by the way, was a defensive end for the New Jersey Generals of the USFL this spring. Good for him. Well, there you go. He's, he's, he's still kicking around. Well, I think that is all we have for this week, uh, unless there's some other. Uh, That's our show. I, that is our show. We were close to an hour. That's pretty good. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. Thank you for all your questions. It helps us put together a good show. It's always good to know people are enjoying what we're doing here and taking part and, and uh, uh, being interactive. Uh, Aaron, Brian, thanks again for being here. Hey, let's do it again next week. Let's do it next Tuesday, yes. Cool.